Welcome to Teacher Thrive, the podcast for educators who want to thrive, not just survive in their profession. With your hosts, certified coaches and teachers, Madel Mazella and Caitlin Rabai. Our topic today is how to get your focus back in a distracted world, which I'm very excited about this topic. I need this. I am distracted 95% of the time. (laughs) Me too. We were saying how I really believe that I have ADHD. I haven't been told by a professional that I have it, but I'm, I have to have something because I get distracted so easily. I could be talking to you and thinking about two, three other things that I want to do. Like if I'm talking to you and I look another way, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I need to clean that later. It's really bad. I'm the same way. I'm like squirrel. And then I know I talked about on the other episode that I just got diagnosed with ADHD last year, like inattentive type. And I feel like a lot of women, we do a lot of masking. So that's just when you kind of hide the difficulties that you're having because you don't want other people to see that you're struggling because we're supposed to as teachers kind of like have it all together and know what we're doing and be on top of everything and not be late and those are all the things that I struggle with so being in a profession where there's so many type a type people is really difficult sometimes because you feel like you're always behind and always struggling yes I'm not a type a I can be though I oscillate between type a and type you know, you're like a type A minus, <laughs> a type B plus. I'm between B plus and A minus <laughs> for sure, because I can be super organized and, you know, just hyper focused. And then I can also be totally distracted. My brother calls it sleeping level 5,000. He could be, you know, he's a talker. Mm-hmm. He is very analytic and almost like philosophical in some ways. And so when we are talking about, you know, like deep issues or I'm looking at him and he knows me so well. I am looking at him, but he knows that I'm gone. And he- <laughs> You're making lists in your head at the same time. And then he gives me, he's like, okay, so you need to come on, come back. I'm like, we've been talking for two hours, but yeah. yeah. So what do we do to get back on, on track? Because there's certain things we have to do for school and we have to get done. I know in my job, like legally, I have to do certain things <laughs> and get them done or else I'm like in trouble. So how do we and how does everybody kind of get our focus back when we're getting distracted right and left? So it's very interesting because for my job, I am very responsible and ultimately such a people pleaser when it comes to my job. Like I really want to do an amazing job every day. So if I determined as a goal to maybe plan my lessons for an entire month, including all the activities with rainbows and butterflies, as if I was getting observed. But the only thing about that is that it matters because, you know, as I am sure you remember, I teach high school and our kids take an assessment that really matters at the end of the year. So when I kind of am ambitious with my plans and I want to plan ahead, of time, I do tend to be like, okay, I'm totally overwhelmed. And this goal is just so big. And it seems like out of my reach. That's when I get distracted, overwhelmed, stressed, and then I procrastinate. And then I don't do what I said I was going to do. Yeah, I think as teachers, we tend to set unrealistic expectations for ourselves. I know I do this, like I plan for so 
some kind of person that I'm never going to be when I make my plan for the week, lining everything up and I'm not giving myself breaks. And that is a really quick recipe to lead to that overwhelm and then complete shutdown for me also. So I think knowing yourself is really important and also breaking those things down into like manageable pieces. Because if we're saying we're going to do like a whole month's worth of whatever. And then we look at that stare down the barrel of the planning that needs to be done. It does get really overwhelming. And it does get like, we're just like, I can't. And then we end up doing nothing instead of doing the little bit that we would have been doing if we hadn't set that kind of crazy expectation for ourselves. Yes. What happens to me is that I lose perspective. I go into that all or nothing type of mode, which is typically not me. And I know how to manage my brain and my my mind and my thoughts around it. But like I said, when I try to be ambitious and go for big goals, I shut down. It's And so what you just said, it's so relatable. And also what you said about masking, tell me more about masking. You know, like I said, I've never addressed this ADHD, so I'm not familiar with this masking, but it just rings a bell. I'm not an expert in ADHD or anything, but a lot of people who are neurodivergent, especially women, they call them high masking. So we tend to pretend like everything's fine. We keep our outside emotions in check. We don't share that we're struggling with things, that we're having a hard time with whatever. I know when I told some of my friends that I had ADHD, they were like, no, you don't. Like you're, you never seem like inattentive. But all of the time, I think when I'm struggling with stuff, it's internal instead of external. So where like a little boy with ADHD, you see him running and jumping and all over the place. I am running and jumping inside of my brain. So like my brain is spinning and I'm thinking about 8,000 different things. But if you look at me, I'm sitting still and I'm just like internally screaming, (laughs) if that makes sense. So it's like, it's called masking because it's like the outside that everybody sees is very normal and peaceful, but inside there's like turmoil and struggle that's not being shared outwardly. Yeah. I relate to that. Okay. For sure. <laughs> Me. Yeah. I relate to that. Sure. So yeah, sometimes when you when you find out that that's a thing that you're doing, you start like sharing more of what you're having a hard time with. And people are like, you're kind of like acting a little crazy. Or like, you seem like you can't get it together. And it's like, I've always not been able to get it together. But I just was like, crying when I got home or like, you know, sitting in a corner and thinking about it instead of actually being like, can you help me with this? Because I'm having a hard time. Right. Yes, I I can identify with so many things you just said. So how do we get back to being focused? And for me, I still have my big goals, but I break them down into smaller, attainable, more manageable steps. And I do this frequently with exercising, which I always fall back on. What's my strategy when I really don't feel like it, but I do have my big goals with working out and I know all the benefits, etc. What did my brain tell me when I was thinking clearly and not right now when I actually don't feel like working out? Right now, I just feel like, you know, vegetating on the couch. I'm not going to do an hour workout because that seems like way too hard. I'm way too tired for that. But if I say um, I'm going to start with five pounds or 10 pounds and I'm only going to do biceps, I can do that. You know what? I'm only going to do that. And I get so much energy right there and I spring back up 
from the couch or wherever I am. And I go downstairs in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, and then I could do maybe 10 minutes walking. My mind can absorb those like golden little nuggets of I'm only going to do this. That doesn't overwhelm me. And then I finally make it downstairs and I do a full workout, and then I feel amazing. So the number one strategy that works for me, and I, you know, read it in the research is just break it down into small steps. I get a lot of benefit from doing that. And then also from over planning my times, I'll give myself like an hour to fold laundry. And then when I'm like, oh, it only took me 20 minutes. Now I have a little break. And that's my little treat that I'm like, I have that extra time. When we plan things, we plan with our prefrontal cortex. So that's like the highest part of your brain that wants the best things for you in life. But then when we're actually in the moment, we don't want to do those things. So if they're on the calendar and we know that, okay, I put it on the calendar. If I do it at this point, I know I can get it done. Because a lot of times I have lists kind of going in my head. And if I don't write them down on paper and I don't get them in the calendar, they just stay spinning in my head. And that is one of the major causes of my overwhelm is just having too much stuff in my brain that I'm trying to organize without putting it on paper. And I don't know why I do that all the time, but I consistently know that when I put it on paper and put it in the calendar, I do it. But I still try to keep things inside of my brain instead of just doing the thing that I know works. That's proven that when you write things down, you have a much higher probability of that thing getting done. I do the same thing. I bought these amazing little notebooks and I have one for work. And so I have it open at all times at work. And so when things come up and I need to adjust a grade or grade something that came in late or whatever, every little thing that I need to do goes in that little notebook. And it's so cute. It has to be cute. It has to have a beautiful color because that's what makes me want to use it and open it. And then I have, you know, remember the highlighters and the pens, all of that matters to me, you know? So you write down all the things and it goes there and it gets done. When I write it down for whatever reason, it doesn't overwhelm me. It's more like, oh, I'm going to do this next. And sometimes I write things that I did and I didn't write it down. And I write it down after I did them and then I cross it off. And it's like, I am winning. I'm winning. I'm so good. Look what I did today. You should link your notebooks and your, your special pens and stuff. All of Medell's materials will link them in the show notes in case you want yes. to put the cute thing. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. They're so, so good. Okay. And this used to happen to me so many times. And I think it's a family thing that having a system for when you come home from the outside world, you put your keys in this little bowl. So the amount of time that we would waste trying to find our keys and looking for our wallet, sometimes our driver's license, because we used it somewhere and we didn't put it back where it belongs. If I tell you the amount of time, the grief and aggravation that I witnessed, I mean, I've done it and my daughter and my family, not my husband. My <laughs> husband is type A through and through. He's like, I just don't understand, you know, but until I decided, listen, this is how it's going to be. 
if it's going to take me five more seconds to put this driver's license back in the little slot where it belongs and then that wallet in my handbag where it belongs, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to be more present and waste less time trying to find my keys because do you know the stress that that adds to your life, especially if you have to leave your house? So just having a, that system, right? Almost like being organized or disciplined with the little things. It really matters and gains back your focus because you're not distracted looking for something so silly as your car keys, you know? Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite things that has helped so much with exactly what you're saying. I have like a wallet and the credit card, it even goes in the same slot all the time. Like my like my healthcare cards go in this specific slot. Like I I decide on purpose where everything's going to go in a way that makes sense for me. And people can spend time doing that too. Like just putting all the things that are the same together so that you know if you're looking for your books or you know that they're on this specific shelf, you know that all the like household cleaning products are in this specific area. They're not in 20 different places. Just doing that, putting everything like with its friends kind of, but I mess it up all the time. I have like a chair that my school backpack goes on, but I don't always bring my school backpack home. I put it in the closet because we had guests coming over. So guess who went to work without her computer or her backpack or any of her stuff? I did, but it's not the place <laughs> where it goes. So yeah, knowing those systems and like routinely having everybody understand where everything is, is so, so, so helpful. And like labeling it too. Like I live for labels. I love the labels mm -hmm. and I love the containers even. Mm -hmm. When I started watching videos on TikTok about these amazing women organizing their closets and their refrigerator, all of that, I went nuts with containers. We don't have a container store near us in our county. So I made Made my husband go to the next county to go to the <laughs> container store because we needed containers. So yes, organizing and now organizing everything is so nice, so beautiful. And yes, it does require that you keep it up because it does get messy over time. But even like that helps. So if you have the room and the and the means even you know, it doesn't have to be the container store, you could go to the dollar store and they have amazing containers, but it really helps. And it lessens your stress. And it's so nice. You feel like a queen, because you're <laughs> winning, you're winning when you are like, okay, like you have everything in order, and you're just grabbing things things and leaving and not wasting time or stressing out. So it really matters. And I'm emphasizing this because it alleviates a big burden having to think about all the little things. It's a It's a big relief, at least yeah. for me. It is for me too. And I think part of the knowing yourself stuff, knowing what is manageable for you and knowing like what systems work for you. I don't even buy like fancy containers. I love how they look, but I reuse Apple containers. My husband is like an obsessed with Apple stuff. So we have all these little like hard white boxes left over and I like rip the insides out and then I use them to store little things. They're very sturdy, those boxes. They are. They're good boxes. Yes, they are. <laughs> But just reusing, you don't even have to spend money if you don't want to, just like reusing stuff you have. In my drawers, I don't have special organizers in them. I just know that like this drawer is for these two types of things and I put them back and file them the same way. And what you're saying about like it can get messy over time. When you have a system in place for it, it does get messy, but it also is way faster to put it back the way that 
it needs to go than like starting over every time. And that's what helps me keep it in order is when I see that it starts getting like a little bit off, then I'm like, okay, this will take me three minutes to just put this back the way that it like reset it. Um, Yeah. And I love having those systems because I can reset them so easily. Yes. Sometimes adding visual reminders also helps. But actually, research says that when you do, for example, if you write a post-it note and you stick it to your mirror or whatever you posted, over time, if you're going to leave it in that place, your eyesight gets used to that being there and then you don't read it anymore. But, you know, in the beginning, it does help. Limiting distractions really helps with everything. You could really be like a CEO of your life because you can be organized and less distracted. It helps me with paying bills, opening mail. I see the envelopes and I just like, oh, because what I think is, it's going to take me a long time. But when I developed a system for this is when I'm going to open my mail and this is what what I'm going to do when I open it, I file things right away and I make a little pile to pay the bills and I know that it will get done. So now it's not as overwhelming or not as, I mean, seeing the envelopes is always like, oh, yes, I have to. To do this, but I don't get so overwhelmed because I know the system now. There is a system for that. It's great now. We have our little like mini shredder by the door. If it needs to be shredded, you just throw it directly in the shredder and get rid of it. It makes it so that it doesn't pile up because once it's piled up, I'm just like overwhelmed. So yeah, so developing a system for these types of things can definitely increase your well-being because when you feel productive, when things are not getting in your way, little things like the mail, paying your bills, you just feel a sense of a accomplishment, right? You feel like a sense of achievement and it increases your confidence. It increases my confidence. Like I feel as if I can actually do more because I'm able to take care of the things that in the past cost me a lot of stress. I mean, nothing is perfect. Do not get me wrong. Not suggesting for a second that things are perfect, but I know that I can handle it. When I want to do it, I'm like, okay, I know how this is done. And it gets done and then then I feel amazing. Yeah, I think that's one of my big go-to thoughts is just, I can handle this, I can do this, I know how to do this. That gets me out of overwhelm when I see those big tasks that I feel like are too much for me to handle at the moment. That's a really good thought to kind of have in your back pocket. If anyone wants help with organizing their thoughts their time. Those are services that Medell and I both provide. So you can go to our websites and sign up for free consultations. We can even help you organize on that free first session if that's what you want. And if you think that this is way too much information, this is just one more thing that is just like like information overload, which can cause us stress, maybe the thought that you could practice instead is this information is available to me. This this is an amazing piece of little golden nugget available to me. And it's amazing. You have that resource available to you. Yeah, we want to help in whatever way we can. So reach out to us. That's all for this episode of Teacher Thrive. We'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics. So please reach out to us. Links to our websites, freebies, and social media accounts are included in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.